And so I wake in the morning and I step outside. I take a deep breath on a Victory Tuesday and I get real high. And I scream at the top of my lungs, Chiefs Kingdom, what's going on? Sterling, how are we today? Uh, We might not be four non-blondes, or should I say, I guess we are four non-blondes. We're doing great, man. I'm doing outstanding. The Chiefs are four and one. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year. The Raiders went all in. The refs tried to help them. Didn't matter. Uh, They took the L. I guess Las Vegas really is spelled L-O-S-S Vegas now. I mean, come on. This is just an absolutely outstanding Tuesday afternoon. Love it. Love it. I'm glad you're feeling well. I'm feeling well. I just got back from Nashville. I spent the holiday weekend in Nashville. I went looking for the guy who wrote the Applebee's date night song so I could personally take him out. Uh, I just saw a bunch of friends instead. I didn't see him. If I did, I would have wiped the floor with him. If you're out there, know that I'm coming. Whoever you are, if you wrote that shitty ass song. Anyway, the Chiefs are winning in spite of it. Uh, we've got good times, good conversations, good beer. Uh, and I'm glad to be here, Sterling. Well, in the words of Led Zeppelin, good times, bad times. You know I've had my share. You'll only have good times if you drink KC Beer Co. I'm drinking the Fest beer right now. It is fantastic. One of my favorite beers of all time, KC Beer Co. We talk about it every single week. Again, if you've not gone and you live in Kansas City, what the bleep are you doing? Come on. Not only do they have amazing beer, they have the best brats, the best German potato salad. Come on. Get off your couch. Go down to Casey Beer Co. when you're not watching us, of course. Come on now. Get a few beers. Crack them open. Have a good time. I went through like seven of these watching the Chiefs Raiders game because I was so nervous. I'm just sitting there. I'm a nervous drinker, okay? Like water, coffee, doesn't matter what the, what the liquid is. If it's in front of me, I'm just a nervous drinker. And all of a sudden, that third and three that gets incomplete from Kansas City, I'm sitting here just cracking open Casey beers. Just just cracking them open. But Casey Beer Co., it'll make the Chiefs games better, and you will have a delicious time. Love it. Love it. Alan DeYoung says, it's a bit early down here for beer. It's 8 a.m. Alan's in Oklahoma, so it's a different time zone there. But, uh, Alan, yeah, we get it. Whenever you need to start, that's that's fine with us. Uh, <laughs> lots to talk about today. It's weird talking to you, Sterling, now because just the game was last night. Like, normally we talk, we have like a couple days, and we've kind of thought it through, and yet, like, the game is not even 24 hours old. So let's start with the aftermath of Chiefs and Raiders. I just want to, like, like, how do you decipher this for each team? You know, we saw the Chiefs just dominate from the word go. The offense in week four, I mean, it was it was like a hot knife through butter. And then last night, it, like, took them a while, and they're down 17 nothing against the Raiders, and... Do you think like a team like this is like kind of playing up or down to their competition? I mean, what was your takeaway from from kind of their performance last night in that way? I think we saw some of the growing pains, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We saw the loss of Trey Smith become noticeable. We saw what happens with an elite pass rush go up against what has been the weakest part of Kansas City's entire team, I'd say, is the tackle group, right? Orlando Brown Jr. getting worked over. At least the first half, both Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. got worked over. Second half, I think they shored things up pretty well. You know, the defense, as far as stopping the run, at least early on, looked uninterested outside of Nick Bolton, right? I mean, that that was a storyline I thought was Nick Bolton was the only guy throwing his body around. Juan Thornhill uh, blew a couple tackles. You know, Josh Jacobs was going crazy on the ground, nearly 150 yards But it came down to we saw some growing pains even late. 
We saw them put two rookies on Devontae Adams. Tried. Spags tried giving help over the top, and Brian Cook got cooked by Devontae Adams, right? So this is the first game where we really saw growing pain from the defense. Uh, end of the day, though, Chiefs came away with a victory, moved to 4-1. and one. They beat a divisional rival in the Chargers already. Then they beat the Raiders. Those teams tried all offseason, gaining prospects, gaining players, going all in. Chiefs said, you know what, Tyreek Hill, you're out. Tyron Matthew, you're out. Let's have a retooling season. And they're still on top. So if you're Kansas City, you have to be feeling pretty good right about now. Even if you only played your C game, Raiders played their A game and they still couldn't win, even with the refs being as abysmal as they were. <laughs> yeah, I I um I, I want to almost jump to the Raiders here too, because I'm wondering how you feel about like what do you take away from there? You know, like like their offseason acquisitions. Look, Devontae Adams, they added him. Hey man, that was I don't know why they didn't go to him again and again. The Chiefs had no downfield answer, even when he was exceptionally covered. Carr delivered. I mean, look, kudos. I don't. I hate saying kudos, Carr, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. He delivered a a dime. It was a brilliant ball. If 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 that had been Mahomes, I would I would have been making like highlight posts and plays and sharing it all over the place. It was awesome. It was just awesome. Adams is the threat that they wanted. He did good. Chandler Jones looked great against the Chiefs tackles last night too. I mean, they even Rocky Asin had had like really great coverage last night. On I mean, they were up seventeen nothing for a reason. I like you know you don't want to say there's no like moral victories here, but at the same time, if I'm a fan of the Raiders, and here's my question to you: In my head, if I'm a Raiders fan, I see my team is one and four. I in one way, I want to acknowledge, yep, we're one and four and you can't change it. And at the same time, I'm not as down about being one and four as I would be if I were like a one and four Panthers team or something. Yeah, there's definitely talent on that team. They have to yeah. figure out a way to get over the top. Uh, just that second half was everything that could go wrong for them went wrong. I do think that second half Chiefs got away with a couple of makeup calls, right? Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Um, and again, Devontae Adams, you would assume, would come down with that ball inbounds in that situation. There are no moral victories in the NFL. This isn't, you know, third grade baseball where you get oranges after the game and you go home and you you watch Paw Patrol. That's not happening, right? Like, there's no moral victories, but I do think that there's something that you could say, all right, the Raiders might have something, maybe even next year. Maybe it's not this year. I mean, they'd have to go on some unreal run. But I think you're starting to see Derek Carr you can win with. He can still be the quarterback because he's making throws that, you know, would you put him in the top 10? I might. Uh, Max Crosby, building building block for sure. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line, though, for them is still an issue as well as their secondary. And that's where the Raiders really need to to bolster if you're looking at Okay, what do we have as keepers? What do we need to work on? I would say the secondary and the offensive line for them, that was the main issue. The problem is that when they went all in on Devontae Adams, they traded their first-round pick, second-round pick. Uh, you know, like, you know, they're trading all these assets to get better. They also, Darren Waller was hurt. Darren Waller was hurt, which was a pretty big deal, at least for the Raiders' side of things. You know, Waller was hurt, but Waller wasn't that big of a factor last year. He's not been that big of a factor this year, even though they – I mean – Look, he's 30 coming off an injured year, and they paid him a lucrative extension this September. It was the most Raiders thing ever to do. And then now he's already out again. It was like, it was like, oh, if you thought the front office mismanagement left when Mike Mayock was forced out of the building, it's like they just rinse repeat on on bad decision makers. 
I'm not saying that Waller can't be a good a good player or decent help, but but I mean that guy's making bank. I, I, it, you know, it makes no sense to me. But yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think they could be feisty in, in the second matchup of the season. I also think they could turn it around. Remember, every conference has seven playoff spots now, which means like a, a team that can just get hot at the end may be able to squeeze in there. Uh, whereas before, you look and you're like, oh, you're one and four, we're sunk. The seventh playoff spot changes those rules where a team may be able to get hot and get in. So, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting in that way. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sterling, let me also ask you this. I Like, when you when you saw that last last night one point game, you know clearly it came down to either this missed field goal or that not take an extra point, whatever. You think you think the next one's going to be this this close to you? I mean, do you think these teams are just always going to sort of battle each other? Because last year it was such a dominant one sided thing on the part of the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I don't think the next time they play the Raiders, it'll be this close again. I think the Raiders played about as well as they could have played. Chiefs didn't play a bad game by any means. I mean, they struggled at times. Uh, they missed a lot of tackles, but they didn't have any turnovers. It wasn't like the Chiefs were just giving the ball away. This wasn't the Colts game where they're fumbling punts and they can't get out of their own way. Chiefs just didn't play great for half the game. Turns out, though, they have the X factor in two players. Well, three. Obviously, Mahomes, right? But let's go with Travis Kelsey. Four touchdowns. Red zone menace. The third one was the one where he just... Push down like a little cousin. Like, get out of my way. You're holding back with one hand as you waltz into the end zone. I mean, that was just incredible. And then also, I mean, it was just Chris Jones was unstoppable. Chris Jones was getting triple teamed on the first drive. The Raiders made every effort possible to say, this guy is not going to beat us. Now, you would have liked to see a little bit more pressure. Carl Loftus was fine, but it was late pressure. It was that the effort plays, right? Uh, You saw Frank Clark, who actually had a pretty good first half. I'll give him credit. Uh, Of course, he was out second half for uh, for an illness. But but Chris Jones, you got to give the man credit. He's become not Aaron Donald, but he definitely is the second best interior defense alignment in the NFL. And he is a guy that teams have to double team, if not triple team, when you have an offensive line as poor as the Raiders do. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I um. I th- you're bringing up some great points. I'll, I want to get into more of them in a second with some takeaways because I want to talk about some players in particular. I want to talk about some positions in particular, but also I, I just want to bring up uh, two. It's important. Um, we've got memberships, folks, and uh, we've got some great stuff in those memberships. Uh, just in case you're new to the broadcast, new to listening, uh, whether on YouTube or wherever you consume your podcast listening habits, uh, whether that's Apple or Stitcher or Spotify. Just want to let you know, we've got three membership tiers these days. One is Rookie Camp at 99 cents a month. It gets you access to Adam Best, Taylor Chiefs newsletter. Um, Discord has view-only access. If you want to be part of our starting 11, uh, that's $4.99 a month. You get access to the newsletter. You have Discord access, all kinds of uh, bonus features within our Discord. There's also members-only events, Fantasy League, etc., stuff like that. Uh, our newest level, though, is the Ring of Honor. I know our own Matt Verderam takes, uh, does a mailbag. He does Film Fridays. 
all kinds of awesome bonus video content, plenty of other stuff in a full rundown. If you go to Arrowhead Addict slash memberships, it's all there in a very pleasingly graphical menu for you. Uh, and if you want to sign up, you can see all the instructions in the information section of wherever you take in uh, this broadcast or listening to your favorite podcast. Yeah, just want to mention all that because because we're actually taking some questions from the Discord channel today um, and, and going through those later on the episode. So, yeah, it's all just a part of being the community here at Arrowhead Addict. Sterling, I want to talk about some takeaways from the game. And I want to stay along the defensive line, which is what you were talking earlier. Chris Jones is a beast and is showing out this year maybe more than ever. At the same time, we're looking at Mike Dana, who's missed a few weeks with a, with a calf injury. Frank Clark is ill, right? And we've seen that stomach issue become problematic. Like we knew that Frank Clark is not going to log 17 games of starter reps. It's just not going to happen. Then last night, Turk Wharton, who I love this kid. Turk had the most quarterback pressures in week four of anyone on the defensive line. And tor- he, he torqued his ACL last night. So suddenly now, a line that was already kind of thin, especially on the edges, loses a guy who can play in, who always who can play inside but can slide outside at times. Given the state of things, do you think the Chiefs have the, the muscle to to get through this, do you think some outside help is going to be appreciated? I think they'll get some outside help. Uh, we might see a little more Malik Herring, right, as far as on the outside. But interior-wise, you might get a call back to a Taylor Stallworth, a Danny Shelton, a plethora of other guys. I don't think someone like Indomitian Sue, for example, is in the cards. I just don't. As much as I would love that, as much as I think it could make some sense – there's probably a reason why we've not seen any indication of Indomitian Sioux in Kansas City being linked, right? I think we would, have, we would have saw something even in the offseason. So I think you're looking at more of a smaller bring-in, a guy who you're like, okay, he'll play 15 snaps here and there, but nothing, not a spectacular name, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I want to ask out there in the comments, too, if you're listening and right now want to weigh in, what is your take on the Turk Wharton injury, the Chiefs getting thinner there? Are you worried or not, I, I I do think I think you're right to bring up some of those guys that are on the practice squad. I mean, we, I mean, we were pretty intrigued by Shelton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were intrigued by Taylor Stallworth in the preseason. Rotating those guys in is going to be something. Um, Colin Saunders now has an even greater opportunity to take that leap that we've like seen him take. He's looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is really going to be a, kind of a golden opportunity for him more so than anyone else. We've seen a ceiling on Derek Nottie at this point. I mean, even when he hit um, the open market last year, he returned to KC on a pretty cheap one-year deal. So, you know, look, he's not going to get better. He's not going to get disruptive. He's not. He's he's going to be your part-time run stuffer, whatever. I feel for Wharton, for sure. Uh, I mean, the kid was having a good year, and 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 now he's going to lose all that developmental time and whatnot. I guess, I guess he can take heart that he got injured enough early in the season like being back next year should not be an issue mm. uh, for him. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what moves the Chiefs make. If the Chiefs were going to potentially make a move along the defensive line at the trade deadline, maybe this injury pushes them forward to go, you know, but now we got to get something done. Like we thought maybe we would, but now, now we we have to do it. Yeah. 
No, yeah. I, I, and they have the draft capital to make something happen. It they comes do. down to the, the the financial restraints. They don't have a lot of lot of spending money to work with, but it comes down to do they extend what way? What way? Because they can find ways. I mean, it's the NFL. It's these GMs are basically money laundering. It seems like how they get down from I have two hundred forty seven dollars, but I'm gonna give a half billion dollar contract to Mahomes. Like <laughs> they they just keep kicking the can. So if they really wanted someone, if they're saying, hey, we think this guy can can be the difference maker in the Chiefs Super Bowl run or not, they have the the way to to acquire that player with draft capital. It comes down to do they want to extend that player? How do they want to make the financial ramifications work? Yeah. Yeah. The question in the comments, when is the NFL trade deadline from Jalen Butler? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's week nine. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Early November. So we should have for the Chiefs up until the bye week, which is pretty, pretty great. Uh, if you, you know, if you want that that time to sort of be able to look at your club and 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 then and then get a little bit of bandwidth to be able to look around and make a deal. Uh, we're, we're seeing the Panthers already start to sell. We'll actually talk about this in just a minute, but uh, other teams that, that look pretty ripe to sell include like the Washington Commanders, um, the Houston Texans, um, and, and then you've got some other teams that may be a little bit stubborn right now before giving up, including the Raiders. I mean, if they keep losing, you, you know, one and four is one thing, but one and five and especially one and six is, you know, at some point you're, you're, you're just dreaming and it's bad for your club to dream at that level, by the way, Doug and Doug in Kansas, Doug and KS, uh, unless that's just a funny way to spell doinks, I, you know, I, like, I just want to respect it. Well, you know, respect whatever pronunciation there. Anyway, he says Saunders has been playing great, uh, though. Totally agree with that. I mean, he is, but there's also a matter of like stamina. You got to keep guys fresh, rotational. Uh, remember how gassed guys will look in the postseason in the fourth quarter of games that are just like, as as tough as going up against like the bills or something so you got to have body you can never have enough bodies in the trenches is a maxim for a reason uh sterling what other like so last last night i want to talk about the running back by committee and i'd love your thoughts here right we've seen pacheco go off last night he does nothing without even a real opportunity to do it. last night clyde really doesn't do much with what opportunities given yet jet mckinnon was the guy who kickstarted a team that looked asleep at the wheel. Like, do you like that as like, look, the, do you like the committee approach and the results you're seeing through five? Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And, and the reason why, I, I think the reason why we didn't see much Pacheco, I know folks were asking, was he in the doghouse? What was the reason for, for I think he had one carry. Was that what it was? One carry? Yeah. Um, I think most of that comes down to the offensive line was getting bullied in the first half. Mahomes had no time. They don't trust Pacheco like they trust, you know, CEH or McKinnon when it comes to pass blocking. McKinnon is probably the best pass blocker on this team. That's why we saw the at least initial progression of, of McKinnon early. And so they gave, they gave McKinnon the ball because he was already in there for, for pass blocking reasons. And he just ran angry. I mean, he ran like he was pissed off. Like he goes, it's Pacheco and CH. What about McKinnon season? And I loved it. Go with the hot hand. None of these running backs are the traditional bell cow, right? There's not a Saquon Barkley. There's not someone like, we need to feed this guy. There's not that. I think CH has been fine. He's a 5.1 yards per carry this season, which for some reason, uh, everyone keeps calling for Pacheco, even though CH has higher yard per carry. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> CH has been fine, but I don't mind going with this. Whoever has the hot hand, give them the ball. They trust McKinnon. 
It came down to pass blocking uh, situations. That's what we didn't see Pacheco. Maybe next game against the Bills, they just want to pound the rock. Then you might see Pacheco. But I like the the ability of all three running backs bringing something different to the table. Yeah, boy, we really saw it last night. McKinnon played inspired um, like it was a postseason game. Love to see that in the rivalry. Um, w- another position I want to ask you about is the offensive line. I sat there last night. I mean, just watching Orlando, watching Andrew Wiley on the other side. You know, look, Max Crosby's going to make guys look like that, and it's not just Orlando Brown. I mean, Max Crosby's going to do that almost on a weekly basis. But, I mean, at this point, can the Chiefs achieve what they want to achieve if this is the play they're getting at offensive tackle? I mean, first got to say, how, how glad is Kansas City right now that Orlando Brown Jr. did not accept that contract? I mean, seriously. I know everyone's saying, well, who plays left tackle? Does it matter? It's not like Orlando Brown Jr. has been this above average even player. Yeah. He's just been a guy. I mean, it makes no sense. I don't get this whole, well, who else to play? Literally anyone else. He's replacement level right now. He's good in the run game, and he's been horrendous against top level, you know, edge rushers. I like the guy. I'm rooting for Orlando Brown Jr. The size is there. You know, you're, you're sitting here going – what, what could he be? What, what, where's the potential? What's the ceiling? But we've not seen that. I mean, Chandler Jones was working him. I, M- Max Crosby, you mentioned it was working him. He, Max Crosby was on Andrew Wiley the majority of this game, at least from what I could tell. That spin move was just unfair. Wiley yeah. has to know in that situation. I give uh, Andy Heck as well as Andy Reid credit there. They tried giving Wiley help, but Crosby swung on the inside. And I, I don't know was the, you know, no Trey Smith with Alec Reddy in there. They weren't ready for that. He was expecting him to go the outside. Max Crosby brought it a great move in. So give him credit. But Orlando Brown Jr., if you want to be paid as an elite left tackle, if you want to be the guy, you have to be better than this. You can't get worked over. You, you, you just can't. It's been yeah. very disappointing. Uh, again, can he turn it around? 100%. I'm not saying that he's not coming back next year, but where things stand, I, I've not been enthused. Yeah. Can, can we – Can we? Uh, I almost need to just like – make a hypothesis or something here because like watching Orlando Brown Jr. Look last year, he came in, it was rough, but he got better and better and better as he had more experience here with his team. And he never looked this bad Mm -hmm. even early on. Right. He is still in his mid twenties. He is, he is big and strong, which means really only speed rushers should be, be able to do what they're doing against him. (laughs) But Chandler Jones is not a speed rusher. I know that. So, so <laughs> the problem here, I like when you when you're watching, you just have to think: is there something wrong here that no one's talking about? In other words, and and you know, like it would be against league protocols to not list an injury on your injury report. I mean that. So I don't want to say anyone on the Chiefs is like cheating or doing something Belichickian in that way. However, however. If there's smoke, there's fire on something, and there's smoke around the play of Orlando Brown Jr. It's it's inexplicable for a guy who now has zero injuries on the injury report because he was on it earlier. So now you're saying, oh, he's healthier and playing worse than he ever has, even though he's like 25 or 26 and supposed to be motivated to make the big money. Is it a mental thing? Did the contract completely go to his head and he's unable to apply? Like, is he just obsessing over it every play? Is Or is there an injury there? In other words, there's something beyond just, hey, that guy sucks. No, he yeah. doesn't suck. He's never sucked. And, in fact, he was getting better last year. There is something there happening, even if we don't know what it is. 
if there, there's something there that doesn't complete the story and I'm, I'm dying to know what it is. Yeah. In the end of the day, the, the chiefs offensive line is still probably top five in the NFL overall. Most of that is based on the interior, that interior offensive line for Kansas city has got to be the best. I mean, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, that trio <laughs> is unreal. Uh, and then again, Andrew Wiley has been fine. He's been serviceable, but that's kind of what Orlando Brown Jr. has been. And that's what we're saying. We're not saying OBJ sucks. We're not telling you Orlando Brown Jr. is just an absolute detriment. He's, he's you know, abysmal. That's not what we're saying. We're saying based on the contract that he is wanting, he's not living up to that. He's living up to basically, he's been Andrew Wiley, but on the left side, right? That's fair. I mean, he's basically been Andrew Wiley, but on the left side. I, sure, I think he's better, he's better than Andrew Wiley. But my point is, as far as the comparison of right tackle, left tackle, if you're looking probably at a breakdown, he's probably what, right right now, 20th, 15th, middling? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I just don't get it. it it's just one of those things that, like, you know, if, if uh, you know, if your wife's just not talking to you over and over again, you'd be like, what's up? Like, it just feels like there's something in that room and no one's talking about it. But instead, everyone's just jumping to, oh, that guy sucks. And I don't get it. Jalen Butler says, hypothetically, if OBJ continued to play like this for the rest of the season, I wouldn't let him walk nor sign him to a big deal. But tag is the thing I choose. Uh, I mean, you know, you got to tag him to control him and then you can trade him. I mean, that's really what 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 that comes down to. Alan DeYoung says, Ravens saw it. And now we Chiefs fans are seeing it five games in. I would agree with that if he was brand new to this roster. But we saw him last year and he played better the whole year. And and. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Alan, you're right in some ways, but but also I, I'm we're missing part of the story here. I don't know what it is. I do really want to point out, I really hope the Chiefs do not take into account what they traded to bring in Orlando Brown Jr. when it comes to how and why and if they extend him. That's one of my pet peeves when teams go, well, we gave up X, so we have to sign him. Don't double down on a decision that you are not fully invested in. It's yeah. one of my my least favorite tropes in the NFL. It's a sunk cost. Thank you, Evan Miller. I see you. You said it right. Same time. You knew where I was going. Perfect. It's, it's a sunk cost. I mean, it, yeah. it truly is because you make one decision that should not you know affect the other one. They're two separate moves. You bring yeah. him in. All right. Now, how does he play? If he's not living up to your expectations, or for this example, the Kansas City Chiefs' expectations, you don't have to sign him. Whatever you gave away, that is over now. Move on. Again, I think they come to terms. I think we'll see a better Orlando Brown Jr. as the season progresses. He's been fine in the run game. I've just been with you. I'm intrigued if there's something wrong, if he's thinking about it, whether it's the contract situation or an injury that's undisclosed, because he does not look like he did at the end of last year. No, I I think there's something there. Even if, And I'll say this, because you're talking about some cost. If you tag him, I don't think you have a problem trading him for a second round pick. I don't. I mean, even if it's a late second round pick, that's not, that's not great at all, but you traded the first and you got a left tackle for two years and then you get a second back. There are worse scenarios than that. So, you know, even if you have to take a second, take an early third, that's what I would do and then figure out what to do with that position later on. But I, but I would have a hard time moving forward with a guy who clearly is not playing up to a level yet is making such demands. I just want out of that scenario entirely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, let's move on here because uh, one position we haven't talked about is the biggest star in the game. Is Patrick Mahomes your NFL MVP through week five? Oh, man. It's between right now four guys. It's between okay. Patrick. It's between Josh Allen because, frankly, Josh Allen's been been incredible. Let's give credit yeah. where credit's due. Uh, Jalen Hurts has the Eagles at 5-0, and and the passing numbers are much improved while the touchdown numbers are not incredible by any means. Last I saw was four touchdown passes to two interceptions. The rushing numbers are obviously where he he thrives. He had two more rushing touchdowns last week, or I guess on Sunday. And then Lamar Jackson, just based on his usage numbers, I mean, if the Ravens didn't have Lamar, that would be a disaster. But I think that my top three is Jalen, Josh Allen, Mahomes. And it comes down to, I think, whoever wins this Bills-Chiefs game, they're going to be the front runner. It's so hard right now to say. So difficult. But those two, this is like playoffs in October. Whoever wins, I think you're going to see as a mass. If you go to, the, to some some Vegas site, whoever wins this game, you're going to see a massive jump in who who's the favorite for MVP. Yeah, I I totally agree. Now that we say this, it's going to end up being like some defensive battle that comes down. You know, it'll be like ten seven, <laughs> and both quarterbacks will look like uh, you know old bathwater or something. Um, who do you yeah. have? I got to go, Patrick. I mean, I just, I just think, I think the numbers are there. I think, I think, I think the story is out there enough about the Chiefs' offseason changes. Tyreek Hill's absence is is a major storyline that people are are have talked about, will be talking about as long as it's twenty twenty two, and I think you can sell that in a way that past great season by Mahomes haven't been honored because he's had those guys because they have that continuity because they have that familiarity suddenly now it's like oh sky Moore, juju smith schuster mark was volta scantling justin watson um so yeah i i think that uh i think i think that narrative helps the things that keep pat from normally being in that conversation over the last couple of years are now gone and i think i think he'll be rewarded for that yeah, I'm with you in that situation. I just don't know if the voters will see it that way. The voters always have this fatigue of once they give it to someone, typically, obviously with Aaron Rodgers, he won it back-to-back years, right? But right. it feels like once you win one, you've been in the spotlight for a long time as the way the Chiefs have been in the spotlight for a long time. The national media has been on this pedestal of let's pump the bills up, and frankly, for good reason. They've been incredible this year. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But it feels like they're going to try and give it to Josh Allen because he's the next thing. They want this Mahomes-Josh Allen rivalry. And what does Josh Allen not have? Doesn't have an MVP. Doesn't have a Super Bowl. They want to sell it like, like you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's easy to sell if you have two MVPs going against each other. Whenever yeah. Lamar Jackson plays Mahomes, you always hear, well, two former MVPs going at it. You always hear that. And so that's another reason why I think Josh Allen might have a leg up. Looking at the numbers, I mean, they are very close. Uh, completion percentages, they're right there. Uh, yards, Josh Allen has about 250 more. Uh, Patrick has one more touchdown and two less interceptions. Josh Allen's been sitting out of multiple fourth quarters. Um, again, I think it comes down to this game. Whoever wins this game, you're going to see a massive jump in MVP, uh, the leader. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Jay Heasley, 1984, says Allen is the media favorite. Been playing great, so warranted. But also Mahomes was to be Popop. 
but doing with less. So proving more. But the underdog puts up more of a fight. So let's go, Mahomes. I totally agree. Uh, Sean says Fenton for MVP. I, mean, I, gotta, I gotta agree. Maybe a corner. I mean, you know, <laughs> never know. Um, never know Man, I can't wait for Trent McDuffie to come back. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm totally with you. By the way, Jalen Butler has a has a, a legit. Uh, you know, he says um, he says that Micah Parsons deserves to be in the discussion. It's just uh, never going to be anyone besides a quarterback. It, it just, I, I don't think if Cooper Cup didn't even get serious consideration with a yeah. triple crown, yeah. uh, I, I mean, as great as Micah Parsons is, and I mean unreal, massive Micah Parsons fan, I just don't think if it's not a quarterback, you're not getting serious consideration. They need to, um, they need to rename the MVP award to offensive like, well, they already have it. They, they just give it to whoever else it is. They gave it to Cooper Cup, and they gave it to Derrick Henry. Um, right now, it's going to be Geno Smith. <laughs> I love it. By the way, how great is it that Russ Wilson is being outplayed by Geno Smith? I mean, well, they could probably try and get uh, Seattle's backup, Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke could look pretty good in Denver. I mean, he's got real potential, I hear. Um, those Mizzou fans are always like so red hot for him. Okay, they? okay, Matt, fine. Yes, Drew Lock never got a fair shake in Denver. It's frankly earmuffs kids, earmuffs kids. It's bullshit. Drew Lock never got a fair shake in Denver. They never tried to surround him with any talent. Anytime he had any opportunity, you know what they did? Oh yeah, Cortland Sutton, Sutton out for the year. Vic Fangio, yeah, we're not throwing shit. Yeah, it's very irritating. Give Drew Lock a chance in Denver. You could have saved 250 mil plus all those draft picks. It's asinine. As a Chiefs fan, I'm thrilled because you know why? Denver Broncos are about to be in the freaking bottom of the standings for the next five years because Russell Wilson is cooked. No, he can't cook. He is cooked. It's a dry-ass pot roast with no seasoning on it. I mean, come on, Mr. Unlimited. Dude is the most limited quarterback in the NFL right now. He's not even running. Gosh. (laughs) Dude, you deserve an MVP for that Drew Locke rant uh you're gonna like that'll be immortalized on tiktok in some beautifully viral way uh, i love it hey um let's move on my friend uh this is exciting everyone always loves talking trades everyone always loves talking um you know like like what could happen the carolina panthers have already fired their head coach it's over right uh in fact eric behenemy was named on the short list of coaches on the athletic and I just thought, here we go again, another year, another round of EB. Uh, Let's not talk about that, though. What I want to talk about is the fact that a team that's already fired their head coach is going to sell off some players. Um, There are – Evan Miller says Matt does not rule. Uh, So true. Let me ask you, um, like, who – like, are there moves there that you would like to see? They're the first team on the board going, we're available, we're open, the store, the store's open. Brian Burns. I mean, Burns for sure. At edge, there's a need for Kansas City. He's incredibly talented. I just don't see it truthfully happening. The Chiefs do have a lot of draft capital. They could make a move here. Yeah. If there was a team I could see make this move, it would be Kansas City. But I, – 
If you're the Panthers, why would you give up on a guy who's 24, a game changer, a game wrecker? He's on a rookie contract. The Panthers would have to be just completely wowed, right? I mean, just completely wowed. Even though Kansas City has the ability to do that, I don't think it would behoove them to do that. Brett Veach has been so good drafting. I know he's struggled a little bit at edge, but I I wouldn't want to give up all those draft picks and then have to extend Brian Burns in a year, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or two years. Next year. He's done. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. So so next year, uh, that's a pretty risky proposition, in my opinion. Uh, As great as it would make sense on paper, the logistics behind it could be a little wonky. I get that. I don't think the Panthers do it because I don't know why anyone – to me, Burns is a top 10 pass rusher in the NFL. Correct. He's 24. He could easily become a top five if he continues to transcend and or if his if his trajectory continues to rise. He's he's young. He's going to be around. He's already reliable, proven reliable um, in in terms of durability on the field, production on it. Um, you don't let a guy like that go. You just don't. Except here's the one thing: the Panthers have already traded away a few picks in like Sam Darnold deal and so on. They have to get a quarterback, have to get a quarterback. To get a quarterback, you have to have draft assets that you can move around in trades in order to get your guy. Getting your guy at defensive end comes after getting your guy at quarterback. So if there's any possibility that Burns could move, it would be because they are prioritizing, we're going to get our guy at quarterback and we're giving up our guy. I think it's stupid. I think it's silly. I think there's no way they really do it. But that's a phone call that Veach has to make because, like, forget Karloftis, forget Clark, forget Dunlap, forget, like, Brian Burns on this defense instantly becomes the best guy by a country mile anywhere on this defense. I'm talking Chris Jones. I'm Jones, you're totally right. Jones, you're totally right. But he, but he, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's going to be voted NFL top 100 for the next five years, whatever, right? When you do that, if you can get that, you trade a first and a third, or you trade a first and a second, or maybe even you trade a first and a future first. I, I don't know. When you're picking at number 30 to 32, that's the kind of package you have to put together for that kind of a guy. Um, the only issue is Panthers might already be 1-1. I mean, they're they're so bad. The Panthers might already be 1-1, and in that case, getting the extra first-round draft pick, you're already going to get your quarterback. And now you're not drafting Burns at 32. Uh, when Christian McCaffrey comes off the, the books, right, when Baker Mayfield comes off the books, I mean, they're paying two quarterbacks, too, because Sam Darnold's getting a decent chunk. I think it was like, what, 20 mil? Somewhere around there? Boy, I, I don't know. I, I, thought it, I thought it wasn't cheap. But once those quarterbacks come off, Junior, on a, a, a rookie quarterback contract, you can afford to pay Burns. Uh, DJ Moore would be intriguing. Uh, he's on a three-year, $60 million contract. Uh, DJ Moore is a very good wide receiver. I just don't see Kansas City making that move for the reason why they didn't bring back Tyreek Hill. They were trying yeah. to get cheaper at that position. As much as I would enjoy DJ Moore in this offense, I just don't see it truthfully happening. And then Christian McCaffrey, uh, if this was Madden, oh, hell yeah, baby. Turn the injuries off. I saw that someone said, turn injuries off and get Christian McCaffrey. I'm with you. 
but the contract's too large. Even with the Panthers saying they would take some of the contract on, unless it's the majority of the contract, I do not see that happening. Um, I, as much as I enjoy Christian McCaffrey, injuries are too much of a concern. And it's running back. It's the least, uh, in my opinion, impactful position. And as great as he is out of the backfield, Mahomes is not a check down guy. So he wouldn't even be using McCaffrey in his best way. It was basically burns or nothing for me. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of with you on that one. I um you know, we've seen we've seen rumors of maybe the Bills being in on McCaffrey. I think that's interesting. I heard the Bills came back out and said that that was false. Okay. Well, so j- just for full transparency. Sure, sure. At the same time, what team is going to say one way or the other who they are in on or not in on? And any general manager worth his salt is going to check in on any potential productive player, like it or not. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the Panthers go with some of those guys. That's for sure. If they end up making guys like Derek Brown and Brian Burns available. I think Veach is making those calls as fast as he possibly can. Um, I do think Burns is – if there was a team who would be all in, it would be the Kansas City Chiefs based on draft capital and the, the positional need. By the way, Sam Darnold is getting paid $18.858 million this year. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a backup, backup quarterback, and Baker Mayfield getting paid – um, actually only 3.5, no, only 5 million from the Panthers because the, uh, the, uh, Browns, they pay nine. So there you go. Okay. Well, I, you know, the, the Panthers, I mean, you know, they, if they had some tackle help, maybe that could be something, you know, they have, uh, what Taylor Moton on the right side and, um, and then the, the first round kid they got. Uh, like they took him like number six overall on the left side. Obviously, he's not going anywhere, but maybe Moton could could fit in. Um, at the same time, I think he just signed a a pretty big deal. Well, yeah, we'll see. Well, who knows? Um, I want to move on to some member questions. Uh, we had a few people um, come in and and ask us some some questions. And uh, Chris R wants to know this, Sterling. Let me ask you this. Is Marquez Valdez Scantling low key the best signing this offseason? Then he says he's on pace for career highs and receptions and yardage, and the contract isn't much until the options kick in. Um, just for the sake of clarity, uh, yeah, it's a three year deal worth up to 30 million. The options get a little pricey. They're really team options over the next two years. Um, like, what do you say to that? I don't know if I would say it's the best. I think you can make the case for for Justin Reed, right? Justin Reed might be the the best. But if MVS continues to trend this way, it'd be hard to disagree. I mean, I said going into yesterday, watch out for MVS. Said on the pregame show. Reason why, Colts game, Mahomes overthrew him. They were not on the same page. And then two weeks ago, there was a concerted effort to give him the ball. Mahomes hit him two uh, two times deep, and he had the one play where Travis Kelsey cut in front of him. The ball was dropped by him, right? And I go, something that stood out was they're now trying to, maybe not force the ball to MVS, but they want to get him more involved. And then yesterday, they had a a great game plan. They got him involved. He looked incredible outside of that one drop. 
But but MVS and Mahomes, they're starting to get on the same page. They're trending the right way. He's extremely fast, bigger-bodied guy. I mean, Juju and Travis Kelsey help open it up over the top for MVS. If he keeps going this way, you could definitely make the case that MVS was the best offseason signing. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, yeah, I love the signing myself. I, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, it's a great question. Uh, T. Rogers wants to know, who is the Chiefs' worst defensive back, and why is it Rashad Fenton? Yeah, it, it has been. And I've been a fairly big Fenton supporter. I've been someone who says he's very solid, right? I always said solid. Never a great cornerback by any means, but he's been solid, serviceable. And I think he can be serviceable in a backup role, but he's really been forced into the limelight and it's been a little too big for him. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, McDuffie when he was here getting the limelight, if it was then Jalen Watson getting the limelight, if he's pressing, if he's trying too hard to make a big play, but he's just not making any plays. I mean, Finn's been fairly disappointing. I, I think when McDuffie gets back, my hope is that, Fenton goes to the bench and comes back in a reserve role because Watson has earned the other starting spot in my mind. I mean, let's be real. The Chiefs use three cornerbacks the majority of the time. So it's going to be Legereus, McDuffie, and then Watson. If Fenton's your fourth quarterback, that's a very deep secondary. Your fourth quarterback's not going to be this incredible lockdown guy. Fenton as a four, very good. Fenton as a starter, you have a little bit of issues. Yeah. Got a couple comments here, and I, I think I have some thoughts that go right along with them. One, Doug in Kansas says, do you gentlemen think McDuffie will be back for the Bills game? I do. I really hope so. Uh, first, I thought the Chiefs may keep him out until the bye week just to like play that safe. This game's a big game. The secondary has been a real concern lately. Uh, Jalen Watson's played more like a seventh rounder than a than a than a like an early season hero like he did. Uh, I think over the last two weeks, I think we've seen more rookie mistakes. Um, and then Evan Miller says the Fenton hate isn't completely fair. He's a fourth corner being forced into a third corner role. He was placed in single coverage on Adams. That's a recipe for disaster for many. Yeah. 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 Look, superstars are going to make, are going to, are going to make other guys look bad. That's, that's what makes them superstars. That's what they do. Devontae Adams is a superstar wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, I'll say this. But it's though. not just Devontae Adams. <laughs> right, right, right. And 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 the problem is last year, Rashad Fenton stepped into an out boundary corner role and blew us all away. We were talking about, oh my gosh, what an incredible story that he's not just a six-round pick who's stuck around for years and and played well as a rotational corner. Suddenly now he's like starting on the boundary and looking good doing it. So Fenton's taking a step backwards this year in a small sample size of games. Something's missing, John Mayer would say, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it is. So, um, yeah. Sorry, that's old John Mayer, too. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the vultures have been picking on him. No? Okay. Fine. No, fine. Wait. Screw me. Is that Vultures? John Mayer? Yeah, it's Vultures? great, John. The best John Mayer song. Come on. Come on, Matt. Should have. Uh, what are you going to say? Your body is a wonderland? No, that doesn't fit. Dude. Vince's body of work has not been a wonderland. It's not been. I mean, last hey. year was solid. I, I, I'm just saying, 
if Fitton goes back to his fourth role, he'll be fine. Spags, yes, you're correct. Did not have the best game plan. But it, it comes down to Fitton does need to come up given the opportunity to make plays. When you get to the NFL, and I've, I've, you can blame me for saying this as well, we keep saying six-round draft pick, what a great story, what a great story. But once you get to the NFL, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're drafted. You're expected to perform, whether that's the first round or the sixth round, seventh round even. I mean, Watson has outplayed him, and, that, and that's just what it comes down to. Watson has outplayed Fenton this season. Sure. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, before we get to the must list to wrap up our episode, I uh, want to see Jalen Butler has a question, and I'm going to take it because – uh, Sterling, you and I aren't going to be together before the Bills play. So, like, is it too early in the week to get your Bills chief predictions? It's pretty early. I want to see if McDuffie's back for sure. That yep. that, that makes a pretty big difference to me. Butker um, make a big difference. Butker is a big difference to me. I don't think I'm still on, on the on the the stance that Butker needs as much time off. Let him get right for the playoffs. Rushing him back is not the move. Uh, talking to Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry, I have a weekly spot I do with him, and just getting his thoughts. You don't want to rush a kicker back. That ankle will give him lifelong issues where you could talk about issues flaring up the playoffs, issues flaring up throughout his career. You know, if you rush him back too soon, there's no reason for it. As as great as it would be if the Chiefs beat the Bills, I sure hope it happens. You want to beat him in the playoffs. That's when it really matters. Yeah, week week seven's great, right? Week seven, great would be fantastic. Playoffs, that's when it really matters. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, at this point, unless unless we see McDuffie back, unless we see Butker back, I I think I'm going with the Bills in a very close game at Arrowhead. I mean, I I um, they're loaded. They look really good. The Chiefs have had a lot of hiccups that they've overcome, even to go four and one. Um, uh, quick question. Why do you hate the Chiefs and why are you counting out Mahomes? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I might as well be calling him Dave Craig back there or something. But uh, no, I will I, say I mean, Mahomes as an underdog at home, first time in his career. This is a recipe for, for scorched earth. This is a recipe for a phenomenal game. I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, Josh Allen and the Bills have just been dismantling teams. Their only loss was to the Miami Dolphins, where they controlled that game. They kind of choked it away. Chiefs' loss was a dismantling in all facets by the Colts, where special teams were bad, defense was bad, uh, at least on the final drive. Defense was good for the most part. But but then the offense was just horrendous. Play calling was bad. I don't think that happens again, but if you want to look at who's been the most consistent team so far, it's been the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was watching Las Vegas go up 17-0. And I'm thinking Buffalo would 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 stomp on this one and end it. And the Raiders d- don't have that capability. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Let's go to the must list here. As uh, as Doug says, he still likes your, your porn stash, Sterling. Richard, Richard, are you there? Can we, can we go into this? Yes, I'm here. What's up, addicts? What's up, our friends? If you're new here... Every week at the end of an episode, we go through our must list. We just like recommending things. And one thing we love recommending is having Richard on the show. So uh, if you've never, if you're new here and you're like, wait, who's this third voice? Who is this mysterious figure? Uh, Richard's our, our uber present producer who is the master behind the curtain. Just, I don't know. 
Richard, you do all things well. We love it. We're glad you're Master here. of Puppets. I that appreciate was the, it, guys. The Metallica album was about him. Yeah, that's my Metallica. <laughs> what do you got for the must list this week, fellas? Who wants to go first? You I'll go, go first. first. Oh, Richard, uh, go first. I was going to say Matt, yeah, but we'll you just, go first, Richard. No, I'll just take the initiative and get it out of the way. All right. I've been going back and forth on this one. I actually been updating our doc, which, you know, our show is, is actually organized here. Uh, I've gone back and forth. I'm going to recommend Chainsaw Part Two, Texas Chainsaw Part Two. This is from 1986. I've never seen it. I really, I don't really care too much for the series, but you've never seen the second one. I've never seen the second one. I've never seen the second one. Wait, what? But you're recommending it? Yes, I just saw it. I've never seen it. Just saw it. Oh, loved it. It was hilarious. I mean, it's not a horror film. It's still the same director, but it's like a black comedy. It's centered around more of the family. So Leatherface is just like he's still there, but like his his father's there. He's got his brother Chop Top, who's like a, a Vietnam vet hippie with like a big metal plate in his head that he's constantly scratching at. It's really cool. And best of all, it's got Dennis Hopper. Guys, Dennis Hopper, Easy Rider, Blue Velvet. I mean, it was an instant sell as soon as I knew Dennis Hopper was in it. So I was like, I had to watch it. I loved it. It was great. It wasn't It wasn't as horrifying as you'd expect, but it was a good journey. I love how Sean in the chat before you said Texas Chainsaw Massacre number two, whatever it's called, goes, Richard scares me. And then the first thing you say is, yeah, I'm recommending Texas Chainsaw Massacre number two. <laughs> I don't I- you are known, Richard. You, like people know you. Like they just feel they feel what's true. I'll go. I'm recommending Bond me sandwiches this week. Bond me, Bond Dude. you, bro. Dude, Bon Jovi, Bond me, Bonnie Vare. Uh, so yeah, so I was in Nashville this weekend, and they had this takeout place called Eastside Bond me there in East Nashville, and I just couldn't get enough of it. It was like. Have you guys ever had banh mi sandwiches? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yes. They're amazing. Everyone should try a banh mi. Have a banh mi sandwich. Order a banh mi. Uh, if I pay for it, it'd be banh mi. You know what I'm saying? A banh mi on me. Anyway, that's done. Uh, yeah. What about you, Sterling? What's your, uh, your must list? Before I get to that, I, I used to crush banh mi's all the time. There's this Vietnamese restaurant I used to walk to when I lived in Philly. It was right outside my my brownstones. I'd walk down. I also learned Vietnamese coffee is built different. Uh, if you're not prepared for Vietnamese coffee, get ready to strap in for three hours of your heart just beating out of your chest. I went back and like, oh, yeah, if it's your first time, only drink like a quarter of it. Yeah. So now I learned. Bon me and Vietnamese coffee, they know what they're doing. They get yeah. you going. Yeah. Uh, all right. M- mine's going to be it's a two-parter. Uh, Music-wise, because I, I do music every time, the very best of Rainbow by the band Rainbow. You know, Dio, incredible album, uh, incredible band, but I love Rainbow. Couldn't pick a single album, so I went with the very best of. Kind of a lame answer, but still pretty good. And then my other one is The Magus, or The Magus. Don't 100% know how to pronounce it by John Fowles, the British literary author. Uh, he's incredible. This was one of my favorite books I have ever read a uh, big John Fowles fan. And the Magus is just, it's unbelievable. It's the pinnacle of British literature in my opinion. And what's that rainbow band? Is that like, like a bunch of care bears coming together? How, like, how does that work? What is a What is a rain? What? I've never even heard of that. You've never heard of, you're a big music guy. Don't you give me this. You've heard of I've rainbow. Heard of rainbow and you're you know who about Ronnie about James Dio is. I know Ronnie James Dio. He has Dio. Sure. Rainbow was before Dio. Ra- 
I, I didn't know that he had a Dio prior to Dio. Man on the Silver Mountain. You're saying there's like pre-Dio? Long live rock and roll? I know there's Sir. like pre-Dio and then Dio, but you're, anyway. Also, yeah, you're correct, Richie Rich. Uh, can you be an author and not be literary? Yeah, you're right. I said he was a literary author. That was unnecessary. Too many words. Dude, it's true. Richard Fanpage says, in heaven there's no beer. That's why we're drinking it here. Because when because we're in heaven, our friends will drink all our Casey beer. Uh, I love that. Did you, did you write that? Is that a lyric? I don't get that. I, I'm convinced Richard is now Richard, Richard Fan, Fan, page. Fan Page. I think I he think is. So I think so, too. I have, no, I have no time to be doing all this. <laughs> yeah. You say that, which only adds to the mystique, Richard. Yeah, on that note... Uh, my favorite song is Take Bond Me by AHA. My name is Matt Connor. We're here with Richard, uh, our producer, and Sterling Holmes. Uh, as always, we love to yuck it up, but we can only yuck it up with you guys, uh, who are the best part of our week. Uh, stay tuned later this week. We have killer video content coming to you all week long on the Arrowhead Addict YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe, check out memberships, check out Casey Beer, check out the Chiefs on Sunday. As they beat the Bills by 50, check out Patrick Mahomes as he, as he, I don't know, he's going to win MVP. I Just not Josh Allen. Get out of here. We'll see you guys later. Richard Fanpage says I'm fired, and that's totally true. Any Matt associated with the Chiefs right now is basically like Matt Amendola or Matt Wright. Like, we all suck. I'm sorry. But Matt Verderin will be back next week with, uh, yeah. I just need to close this. We'll see you guys. Rainbow forever. <laughs> <laughs>